Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. This is the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. I am Jesse Martineau. And before we get going uh, with the preview for the next week's show, I do want to congratulate the winner of the Putzenfest tickets. This is a pretty awesome contest. Again, giant thank you to everybody that entered. Giant thank you to the people at the New Hampshire Putzenfest for allowing us to have a couple of tickets that we could uh, give to uh, some of the listeners of our podcast, which is really neat. So Angela Hall was the winner, and I uh, really hope you stop by at the Putsin Fest. Say hi to us. We're going to have a table there. So actually, anybody, if you go into Putsin Fest, please stop by. We'll have a table. We'll have our banner set up. So we'd like to get the opportunity to meet as many of you guys as possible. We're having a really fun time uh, doing this project, so it would be really cool to connect with people at Putsin Fest. This weekend coming up is because on June 24th is, of course, La Fête Nationale du Québec. So there was no chance that we could have a podcast called The French-Canadian Legacy and not do an episode on what was the precursor, I guess, to the La Fête Nationale, which was Jean Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day. So we needed to absolutely have an episode deal with Saint-Jean-Baptiste. So we uh, asked a bunch of really smart people. And we're like, who should we talk to in order to uh, highlight Saint-Jean-Baptiste and kind of what it meant to the people of New England. And the answer we got back is you should probably talk to James Bile again. So that's what we've done, which is super exciting. Obviously, James Bile is a return guest. He's the former coordinator of uh, Franco-American Collections at the University of Southern Maine. He co-authored the book, Franco-Americans of Lewiston-Auburn, and he is behind the really awesome blog, Parlez-vous American. Very, very cool. So it was awesome to be able to chat with him again. And we started off by asking the question that, you know, we know why St. Patrick's Day is a big deal to the Irish, but I really don't think a lot of people know, very much me included, when I started this project, why St. Jean-Baptiste, or maybe how St. Jean-Baptiste Day became a giant deal to French Canadians. So we started our conversation by kind of exploring like, the origin of the holiday and where it came from and what it looks like in the early days of New France, which was kind of fun. We talked about the transition of the holiday in the 1830s from, you know, I guess what started as kind of a pretty religiously focused holiday early on. But now, as the time went on, like in the 1830s, we start to see kind of a transition to uh, the holiday taking on kind of a more political significance. And what I thought was kind of fun was the topic that came up, which was perhaps the uh, influence of the Irish. And when they started arriving in Montreal on maybe uh, the start of this whole Saint jean baptiste uh, movement. We talked about what the celebration looked like in mid-19th century Quebec, which was really fun because these were the traditions, the experiences that those initial immigrants who came into New England, like this is what they knew uh, of the holiday when they came. So we kind of wanted to highlight exactly what it was that they, their background was uh, with the holiday. 1830s, it starts taking on more of a political influence. And later on, 1960s, 70s, you know, the holiday changes like everything else changed over that period uh, in Quebec. And now you can see the name change. So we're, where it goes from, it was, you know, rebranded basically uh, from Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day to La Fête Nationale de Quebec and kind of the significance that took. And then, of course, the major part of our chat uh, is we talked about what Saint-Jean-Baptiste Day looks like 
uh, for the people in New England. And so we started with, you know, when when did this start? When did we start having St. Jean Baptiste festivals, parades, that kind of thing here in New England? And who were some of the organizers, you know, especially some of these groups? Because we saw, like, fraternal groups that got together and uh, played a pretty major role in the organizing of, of some of these efforts. We talked about how right from the start, uh, the St. Jean Baptiste festivals did have a political significance. It, they, obviously, they were religious, but right from the very beginning, they were tied into the, the whole concept of the survivance, which we've mentioned in you know past episodes here, and that we highlighted the enormous size of some of these parades. They were absolutely huge. So huge, in fact, that it's kind of fun that the mills in a lot of these towns actually shut down, which was really cool because this was at a time when mill owners were obviously super, super reluctant to shut down the mills for any reason whatsoever. And we talked about, which is kind of neat, the fact that in many of these parades, it wasn't just the French or the Franco-Americans, French Canadians that showed up for these. All kinds of people showed up. In fact, many groups, some even non-French Canadians showed up to participate. Uh, in these parades, these celebrations. At some of these parades, there was a lot of imagery from like the French Revolution time, which I thought was kind of cool. It was different, not what I expected at all, considering that by the time the French Revolution happened, uh, our ancestors, the ancestors of those who were taking participating in these St. Jean Baptiste festivals here in New England, were already in you know North America way before the French Revolution happened. So it is kind of funny that we see you know the Tricolore show up at a ton of these events. We also highlighted, for sure, the fact that in all these St. Jean-Baptiste Day festivals, you see tons of American flags as well. You know, get the portraits of George Washington and stuff like that, too. So, you know, again, the message, you know, we are French-Canadian, but that doesn't mean that we're any less American as well. Very proud to be American. That's something that uh, they made sure to highlight uh, in all their parade festivals. And then we kind of closed uh, with a discussion of what happened. You know, why... Do we not have these anymore? Uh, so we talked about kind of the decline of the St. Jean-Baptiste Day festivals uh, here in New England, uh, where it went from enormous things, you know, 9,000 people in, at one parade I can think of in, in Nashua, uh, to the point where we don't have a parade anymore, and kind of what happened. And we finish off with a, kind of a chat about, you know, why is it that the St. Patrick's Day parade lasted like, we still got one in Manchester, even though there's more people of French-Canadian descent than there are of Irish descent in Manchester. But St. Patrick's Day Parade survives, still have it, uh, whereas the St. Jean-Baptiste Day Parade does not. And we kind of asked that question. And, of course, we closed with a quick chat of kind of what St. Jean-Baptiste, uh, what that day looks like today. So that's our episode next week. Again, James Mile, super interesting person. Really glad we were able to connect with him. But, again, if you are going to Putsin Fest this weekend... Make sure, stop by, say hi to Mike, say hi to myself. We can talk. We're actually going to be interviewing people all day. That's going to be our contribution to the Pusin Fest. It's going to be a blast. So please come by, say hi. I look forward to meeting you, uh, a bunch of you. Time for a bonus question. Sure. All right. Now, uh, most of my bonus questions have been super silly. I'm going to try to have a non-silly one this time. Oh. If you don't like it, feel free to punt and I'll ask a super silly question. <laughs> but one thing that I find fascinating, because I've come across this in different people that I've worked with over the years. I've worked at a couple different universities. And frequently, uh, when somebody writes about cultural topics, there is some brushback if the person writing does not belong to that ethnic group specifically. And that's not unique to Franco-Americans. I've, mm -hmm. I've seen that, like, the Irish want to have the Irish story told by Irish people. Italians want to have the Italian story told by Italian people. I'm curious if you've ever had any issue, not not only you're not Franco-American, you're absolutely English, which is the right, worst right. of all. But yeah, so, <laughs> so I wonder if you ever got any brushback for any of that. 
Yeah, I mean, it does come up sometimes. It's, that's a good question. Um, it does come up sometimes, and I think, you know, I, I definitely sort of understand, you know, that perspective. And I think, you know, you can look back at, you know, you can definitely look back, especially if you go back a few years to this, you know, there's a tradition of sort of English speakers writing about French Canadians and doing it in a way that's like not helpful or very well informed. Um, so, you know, I, I try and be aware of that and I try and sort of counter that by, I do a couple of things. So one is sort of, one is just being aware of that and sort of trying to make sure that I'm representing things sort of authentically and not letting, I, I like to think that sort of being, I'm such an outsider that it, you know, I don't carry with me like some of the baggage I might do Absolutely. if I had grown up sort of in the United States in a Franco-American community on the outside. Um, but I think one of the other things that, you know, one of the other things I try and do, especially in my blog and my historical writings is sort of wherever I can draw from authentic Franco-American voices. So, you know, not just relying on sort of the English language newspaper accounts of the time, but sort of comparing what the French language press was saying, or trying to dig up sort of old interviews with French Canadians and Franco-Americans and sort of using their voices to inform my experience so that I'm lifting up their voices more than just sort of pushing my own opinion down other people's throats. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much again for joining us, James. This is cool. Sure. Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode. This program is recorded at the Conquer TV Podcasting Studio. The views and opinions expressed during this podcast are not necessarily those of Conquer TV. The producer is solely responsible for its content.